Kunisti, how are ye? Welcome to the Candle of Tales podcast and another episode and another story. We are listening to the story of Fincom, a lesser known story, the mother of a great hero, Conal Carnock in the Ulster Cycle. And this one will be told by my sister, Surika. Now, this podcast is supported by all of those people who have helped us out by going to patreon.com forward slash Candle Tales. Thank you very much for doing so. If you'd like to do that, That'd be great. If not, no worries. We appreciate you listening anyway. For now, we'll listen to a story. Hey, Sorica, tell us a story, will you? Finnecum. If you wanted one child, you had to look for both. Ket and Finnecum, Finnecum and Ket. They were never apart as children. They were always together, playing, exploring, sharing. Ket used to talk, as a young boy, about what a great warrior he was going to be. How he was going to go into battle against the men of Ulster, take home their heads as trophies. But his sister, Finnecum, didn't like to talk about the future. Because when she looked to the future, she didn't know what was going to happen. Ket's path was clear. He was a son of a woman of Connacht and a man of Connacht. He was going to be a warrior of Connacht. But Finnecum, but her mother was from Connacht. She had the same mother as Ket. But her father the druid who she saw from time to time when he visited he was not from Connacht he was from Ulster Kaffa and so she knew in her future there was some divide and she did not like to think about it and so when Ket started to talk about the future and how great a warrior he would be, and what that would be like, and how Finnecum could come and visit him when he was in his own great hall, she would change the subject, tackle him, and chase him into a new game of tag, or throw something, startle a bird in the bush and have him off chasing that instead, distract him, bring him back to where she was happy, which was now. But now it turned into later, sooner than Finnecum would have liked. And the day came when her father Kaffa of Ulster, but it was not a visit he was on. He was collecting her and bringing her to his home. By then he was in Awanmaka with his other son Crohor. And Crohor was sitting on the throne of Ulster and Finnecum was brought into a new place. New and strange to her. Here was a place where everyone seemed to be talking about prophecies. Prophecies and curses and things of the other world and things of the future and things that Finnegan had neither interest in nor understanding of. A curse brought down on them would mean terrible things in the future. And if the champion of Ulster died, Ulster would be luckless forever. But the king who sat on the throne 
Well, he was born on a day that assured he would be a great king, and so prophecy dictated that all would be well. Prophecy and portent and omen and curse. They went round and round and round Finnicum's head in a babble, meaningless. She was here now, and she was lonely. She was away from her brother Ket for the first time in her life, and she did not like that one bit. She kept feeling his absence beside her. She was so used to him being there. She kept turning to look for him, and seeing the face of a stranger instead. Although there were some of the people of Ulster she liked. Some of the warriors were too rough for her tastes. Too loud. Too boastful. Some were a little more refined. There was a young one called Amargan, and he caught her eye. Once, when his friend was leaving, he was so sad he composed a poem about how his friend was leaving in the wrong season. And then he went on to compose poems for every season and what it was suitable to do at what time of the year. And Finnicum heard him recite this in the hall one night. And she liked it. But she also thought it was no good season for a friend to leave you. You'd always be sad. When he was finished, she walked over to him and she said, And what is the season where it will be appropriate for you and I to marry? He didn't have a ready answer to that. But she got one out of her father soon enough, and the wedding was arranged. And Finnicum had someone by her side again. The loneliness was filled. Amargan was not Ket, and that was a good thing for the most part. She still missed her brother. But she made new friends in Ulster, a new family, a new home, and she found herself a new place to be happy. She still did not like to think about the future, because the future always brought war, and more often than not, a war with Connacht. And war with Connacht meant her husband would fight her brother, and her brother would fight her friends. That was not something to dwell on for Finnegan. Her marriage to Amergan was a good one. They understood each other well. They liked each other well. They loved each other. But there was a great gap in their marriage, in their family, in Finnegan's happiness. And it started small, but it grew. And the gap was an absence. In the absence was a child. Now Amargan said all things in their season. It would happen when it was destined to happen, when it was meant to happen. And they couldn't force such things. But she could see in him. He was not happy either. There was something in his eyes of sorrow and there was something in his eyes of blame. Maybe it was her fault. 
but there was something also of fear because maybe it was his and Finnegan found that whenever she tried to talk about it he would turn away offer her the same excuses again and again it's not the right time we have to wait everything will come in its right season and if it hasn't come yet it's because the season isn't right yet wait and wait and wait and meanwhile every time Finnicum saw a child she felt like her insides would turn inside out she felt as if she would weep or collapse from despair it felt like a hunger not for food Not lust, but a desire so deep that it twisted her insides, that her womb was empty and there was nothing in there growing, there was nothing living, nothing moving. She was hollow and she couldn't bear it. And everywhere she turned was talk of a destiny, of a waiting, of Why wouldn't she foster a child? Wouldn't that be the same? It would not be the same. It would not quiet the craving she had. She knew that. She burned with it. She almost fell into despair. But instead, she turned to action. She left her family in Ulster, her family and her friends, all the contentment she'd managed to build for herself. She went to find a druid who would help her, because her father would not and her husband would not, and she would not stand for it any longer. The druid she found said he would help her conceive if the fee was good. And Finnicum said she would give him any fee he asked. He told her where to meet him, by a certain well, at a certain time. And she came and met him there alone. And when the fee was paid, he sang his songs and worked his spells and gave her a drink of water from the well. And she drank it back. She saw in the bottom of the cup a white worm and she swallowed it whole. And although she knew it was not possible, she swore she could feel something, something take root inside, something wriggle, some little spark of life quicken. And then when it was all done, when it was finished and she was ready to go home, She found in herself a curious thing. When she thought of home, she did not think of her husband. She did not think of the Ulster people, welcoming as they had been, good friends as they had become. She thought of Ket. Ket and Finnicum, Finnicum and Ket, as they had been when they were children. All she'd heard of him in the years since were tales of a bloody marauder. But when she went home, she went to her brother. She went to Ket. And when Ket saw Finnicum, he welcomed her in. 
He too had missed his sister desperately, had wondered how she was, had despaired of ever seeing her again when she was living with his greatest enemies. But here she was, not only looking for him, but looking for his help. He swore to protect her from any harm, made her safe, made her comfortable. And they fell back into their old ways, Cat and Finnicum, Finnicum and Cat, walking together, talking together, laughing together. But this time, Cat was as shy of the future as his sister. And they did not speak of it. And they did not speak of the child. The child that was growing in her. The child that she loved with every fibre of her being already although she hadn't met him. When she was tired, she sat, stroking the swelling curve of her belly, humming songs to the boy inside. She was sure it was a boy. She did not tell Cat that she was sure it was a boy. Cat, for his part, was hoping quietly to himself hoping very much that Finnicum would have a girl because a boy of Ulster would almost certainly become a warrior but a girl could do something else When the pain came on Finnicum, Cat did not feel himself adequate to the task of helping her, and so he called for aid. The women of Connacht, the midwives and the druids, they came to help her. And Finnicum felt the way warriors feel when they go into battle as if she was risking her life, but risking it willingly and with joy, because if she was victorious, it would be a battle for the ages. She felt the pain rip through her as she walked to the doors of death and found her son there and brought him home with her safe. And as she lay exhausted and bloodied, one of the druids put a hand on the child's head and spoke a prophecy. Prophecy that might as well have been a curse. He will be a great warrior, she said. He will be such a great warrior of Ulster that he will kill half the warriors of Connacht by his own hand and no single Connachtman will ever kill him. Finnicum felt the alarm stir in her but it was distant. She was exhausted. But she saw through half-opened eyes how those words landed with her brother. 
and Ket heard that this baby, this infant that he had sheltered, would kill half of his companions. He acted as a warrior would act, to take the threat and destroy it. He snatched the child and threw him to the ground and stood on the baby's neck. For a second, Finnegan was frozen. She knew that Ket was a warrior. She knew that the Connacht and the Ulster peoples were at war. She knew that he had gone to battle against the warriors that she knew, even against her husband. But she had never considered that he would hurt her. She had never been able to think of him as anything other than her brother, Ket. And when he reached out and grabbed her child and tried to kill her baby, there was a moment of shock, icy and cold. And then a moment when she registered the betrayal as he lifted up his foot and brought it down to step on her child like her child was a worm. It seemed as if time stood still and her heart stopped beating. But in the next moment, the ice gave way to fire and the beating of her heart was the beating of black wings and Finnicum surged up from where she lay, bloodied, exhausted, and she fell on her brother, trained warrior, champion of Connacht, killer of men, and she screamed at him from the base of her belly, and before his sister, Ket, fell away stepped back and leaving the job unfinished he turned on his heel and he ran with Finnever's nails leaving gashes down his cheeks tears and blood streaming down his chin and Finnicum picked up her baby already branded by prophecy His neck was crooked, but it hadn't broken. He opened his eyes and gurgled at her. And she felt a love deeper and more profound than she'd ever felt before. For this child, one eye as blue as cornflower and the other as black as a beetle shell. She could see even then how half of his face was speckled Half of his face and body speckled as a foxglove and the other half as white as milk. She held him. She felt complete. 
and Finnicum did not know what kind of a man her son would be. She did not think about the future. She did not worry about it. She held him and sang to him and soothed him after his violent entry into the world. She did not know that he would become famous for having the severed head of a Connachtman under his knee at night when he slept. She did not know he would guard the borders between Connacht and Ulster, falling on any invaders with savagery. She did not know that one day her brother Ket and her son Conal Carnock would fight for three gruesome bloody days and that Conal would kill his uncle. And if you had told her at that moment, I do not know that Finnicum would have cared. Because the future was distant. And she held her son in her arms now. This podcast was produced and edited by Oisin Ryan. You can find out more about us on our website, candlelittales.ie. And we're on all the social media, so like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Candlelit Tales, or send us a message to get onto our mailing list. For more videos and live streams, like and subscribe to our Candlelit Tales YouTube channel, which now has a Candlelit Tales for Kids playlist, hashtag Candlelit Tales. Liking and subscribing to our channels really helps us grow and get to more people. And if you're able to give us more direct support, you can chip in a few bob at patreon.com forward slash candlelittales or make a one-time donation through the PayPal button on our website. We also do really like to hear back from you with any questions, requests or comments, leave them in the section below. If you want to find out about our courses, anything like that, just drop us a line. And we especially appreciate you listening.